Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Um, today we're going to be talking some shit about our finishing, uh, Andres, <laughs> um, for starters, I guess. But besides that, no Sam today. He's off doing lawyer duties, so uh, it's just me and Andres on the mics tonight. So, um, Andres, how you doing, man? You know, Zach. I thought I was doing great. I thought that Chelsea had destroyed their curse versus religion. But then we faced off against the Pope. And the <laughs> curse is back. Yeah. Uh... I, thought we, I thought we beat it against the Saints. But it turns out the Saints are just normal people that were good people. And the Pope is supposed to be, you know the holiest of all on earth so hey maybe maybe that's why we didn't quite lose but it felt like it it took you that long to realize that the pope is the real deal andres i mean in in fifa we all are very much aware of nick pope's abilities. oh yeah and He's in a... real life in real life this weekend he definitely embraced his uh fifa ultimate team hype and and really had some Edouard Mendy style saves against us. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it really wasn't pretty, but let's kind of get right into it, Zach. Not that we have much to really discuss when you play Sean Dyches Burnley, but going into the weekend, Chelsea lined up in the typical 3 4 3, Mendy in goal. A back three of Christensen, Silva, Rudiger. Midfield four at wingbacks, we had Reese James and Ben Chilwell. And the double six of Jorgolo. Jorginho and Conte starting together again after a bit of a break for Conte. Uh, Hudson Adoy started on the left wing. Kai Havertz at striker. And none other than Ross, the boss, Barkley. I wish I know Psalm's really missing out on being here, but Ross Barkley, fall of 2021, starting for Chelsea once again. I mean, I I have to get your thoughts on that right now. Uh, if you asked me before the season, I didn't want to see him whatsoever. Um, but, but the funny thing is the way Tuchel's utilized him like solely as a number ten. Uh, it, it it's actually made him an impact player for us, and it's kind of interesting because now I. I, I kind of see him being utilized a little more. Honestly, Andres, I think we would be talking about a potential man of the match performance if he put one of those in. The um, chance of the game. But the we'll, chance we'll, of the game. Yeah, but I'm also talking about his... We will get his finishing woes on, in a little bit, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That first shot, too, though, he also had a chance with like that little curler where he tried to bend it back post. Yeah, he... he uh... Like you said, in this weird role, it feels like he's making smart passes. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, because he was part of the front three, he had to, you know, be a little riskier in his passing, but he still completed about 82% of his passes, created five chances. So he, for the most part, like we said, because there was just that one thing he was missing in this game, uh, was doing exactly what Thomas Tuchel was asking of him. It's just interesting that a guy that 
like you said, had no place in the squad, lost his lost his squad number and everything, is suddenly being brought back into the fold of things, and none of us are blinking an eye. And I think that's credit credit to him and credit to the manager for finding a way of of keeping these players, you know, motivated and not just motivated but sharp. You know, he, he's he's kind of a funny uh, funny player sort of situation at Chelsea because there's so much quality there, and I think we're all able to see it every time he steps out onto the pitch, especially, like you said, Andres, when he's playing in this number 10 role where he doesn't really have to worry too much about the risky passes that he's taking. That's his job. Um, it kind of opens up his game a little bit. Positionally, in and around the box, when we're playing tippy-tappy football, he's really good at picking his head up and spotting when the right time is to take a shot. Um, you know, he drifts into the box well. Um, probably should have had a goal, definitely, actually. But beside the point, um, it just makes me think, um, could a, could Loftus-Cheek have a similar impact in a similar role? Um, same skill sets, but a little bit more athletic. And I think he would be able to kind of barge himself into the box if you put him at a number 10 position. So that's another thing to think about as well that we really haven't seen from Tuchel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a situational thing as to why he's getting in. But it's also interesting as to why he is still at Chelsea and not somewhere else. Um, we know he's on a high wage bill. I'm, I'm probably going to pen it off to that. But besides that, it just makes you think like talent wasted if he's really not playing week in and week out he could impact a really solid mid-table side i mean we saw it for a little bit with aston villa last year before he got hurt that you give him minutes you give him that freedom to roam forward there's still a player there is he a future chelsea player mainstay no i don't think so but like you said it it still feels like he might be wasting his talents or his skill set on a bench when he could make himself uh you know maybe a beloved player elsewhere just not at the scale of Chelsea yeah but um you know we we will get to the the bad of the offensive side of things later but I do want to pinpoint again our defense um a little bit of commentators curse during the match if you're watching on NBC Sports you know maybe about 5 minutes before the Vidra goal they were talking about how in the Premier League, actually, we had yet to be scored on from open play. Even the Man City goal was credited to as part of a set piece. So Vidra is now the only goal scorer to get past uh, Mendy in the Premier League. Um, but as a collective, I just wanted to point out the job that the team had. I mean, they only conceded five shots. Uh I mean, Mendy, for the most part, was pretty bored. He only had to make one save. And, again, we've been picking on Paul's goals because when a player and, like, a Premier League legend wants to make a comment, an outlandish comment like Chelsea's defense is not the best in the league, I mean, it's it's baffling. We We have rotated the back three countless times at this point. Turns out that Trevor Chalaba, I believe, has played the most minutes in this back three now, and he wasn't even called for in this game. We had Christensen, Silva, and Rudiger. I mean, what what more can we say at this point besides the fact that 
this team, should it continue to trend the way it is, staying at the top of the league, which, by the way, I was not going to sing the top of the league rap without Psalm. That's a Psalm thing only, so <laughs> listener, so sorry. Sorry, Nick. But, Zach, I mean, at this point, like, this team is built to say defense wins championships. Yeah, and it feels right, Andres. You know, all of Chelsea's success has been built on having defensive stability and a solid spine under the Mourinho years. I mean, even under the Ancelotti years, we had good defenses. You know, Antonio Conte came in, Mourinho's second stint, obviously. We're used to seeing solid defenses that don't concede a lot of goals, and all of our title-winning campaigns had those elements to it. So this is no different. It was a little weird when we went with Sari because we tried to change and adapt into this, you know, attacking quote-unquote football, which was really just scripted football at the end of the day. Um, but now we're back to the basics. A solid a solid defense um, with a great spine. Mendy and goal, obviously leadership in the back and with Dave, Rudiger, Thiago Silva, even Christensen's coming into his own. Um, through the midfield, you got Jorginho, guys like Conte, even Kovacic. Um, and then up top, now we have Big Rom. Um, when he comes back, there's a, there's a leadership aspect of the way he plays as well. And you could even say Mason Mount, too. Um, so now we have a spine. And I think that's uh, the main thing here. Um, and I think that's a big culprit of our consistency, too. Um, the fact that a lot of these guys have been available for a big period of time. And then we are also lucky to you know, re reap the rewards of having a deep squad. This is why you have rotational players. This is why you go five or six names deep at center back. If you're playing a back three on the season, you could rotate guys. Dave has been exclusively used as a wing back as of late, uh, just because of, you know, our lack of depth in that position. And now we've seen Christensen play on the left hand or the right hand side, which is something we haven't really seen him able to do before. Um, it's just been great. I, I think it's going to continue. Um, there's not, there, there's no doubt, real doubt about that. I don't think, um, but we would really be remiss if we didn't talk about that attacking aspect of our defense as well. You know, we have grit, we have teeth, unlike our front line. Um, you know, I think I saw a stat that said Reese James has uh, created the most chances in the box in the Premier League this season. Um, I think he created 10 chances in the box, which I is ridiculous. I wouldn't pass him. He's got yeah. four goals and four assists in the Premier League. Uh, before we get to Reese, though, one last thing I wanted to say is you mentioned Conte season. We were playing a back three then, mm -hmm. and even then I didn't feel that that back three had the level of depth that we have now. I mean, it was a four-man rotation. If Luis wasn't there, it would be Christensen, and that's as far as it went. Uh, with now, with uh, Tuchel's team, it's whoever's healthy can slide in. Whether it's Christensen in the middle, Thiago Silva, we've seen Trevor Chalaba be in the middle. We've seen Trevor in the right. Rudiger has been exclusively on the left, but Christensen's played across the back three. Aspie on the right. I mean, it's Reece like James it's, started the Reece Champions James League has final been on the right too, as well. You're right. Yeah. Um, I mean that the fact that again, should one guy not be playing well or should one guy go down due to a knock, I'm not concerned about what that defense may look like. But um, we talked about Reese James for a second. And again, I'm going to toot my own horn again, because unlike Paul Scholes, when I come out with a hot take, it's coming out and it is completely on fire 
and Reese James is full on Reese Flames, baby. Another <laughs> game, another goal. That's three goals in two games. I mean, yeah. I mean, not goals. Sorry, he had an assist today. He has four goals, four assists. He is the leading scorer in the Premier League for Chelsea at the moment from right wing back. I mean, Tuchel has even come out and said that they don't. We don't even worry about Reese's shooting practice. Like, not shoots even like a horse. Yeah, shoots like a horse. I mean, I personally felt that in this match, if we were going to have success moving forward, it was going to be through Reese James and through Reese James alone. It feels like that a lot, though, doesn't it? But but at the same time, Andres, I want to be fair to Chilwell because I thought he he sort of you know wreaked a little havoc in this game too. When it wasn't coming from the right hand side, it was coming from the left. But that still kind of goes to you know tipping our hat to the defense and how how well we're able to transition from yeah. you know uh, attack or, or from defense rather to attack. Our wingbacks are against these sides, especially against Burnley, where you know what you're going to get. You're going to get ten men in the or eight men in the box and two bodies just outside of it, those guys are basically wingers in this game. So that's and, why they're so creative. And not just one-dimensional wingers. We've talked about the whole inverted wingback situation. And in this game, it I think I finally like realized more what that meant. So, for example, when Cho starts very wide, you'll see Chilwell just bomb to the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And I know a complaint that I had a lot of the three four three is that even though it felt like we were creating a lot of chances, all of them were very um, obvious that you know the wing backs were going to overlap, and that's the only thing the wing backs were going to do and create the width, and then eventually the overload of players would then allow us to go back in the middle. With this whole thing where the wing backs and the wingers are interchanging in position, if the wing back goes wide, the wingers or the outside tens, whatever you want to call them drift centrally and vice versa obviously has to be a, playing a part in, into Chilwell and Reese's rise in form and, and not just rise in form but in production um, but yes props to both of the guys for taking on the challenge of being more offensive themselves it's a the goal load it's a small tweak from the way Conte used his wing backs where first of all they were defenders and they would bomb vertically um, you know, I, it's, it's interesting to see how the three, the three at the back has adapted over time. It was exclusively used as a defensive formation. And now we're seeing it used in sides that maintain and carry possession the majority of the time and create a shit ton of chances. Um, it's just unfortunate we, we can't finish, but I don't know how many times I'm going to mention that, um, in this podcast. So get ready guys. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, let's just go right into it. Um, yeah. I mean, this, the score line was one to one, but we took 25 shots, created 23 good chances, five quote unquote big chances. I mean, when you're shooting 20 of the shots, by the way, inside of the box, the sad thing is all that said, only four shots were on target, four shots. And that simply to me is is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with Yasher Havertz, great header, good. We got the goal, we got the lead, but for some reason, unless things like click right away, these little one goal leads, it feels like afterwards 
everyone forgets how to score. And those are the games where th- these are the only games where I get nervous that Chelsea won't get the three points because even when we score five, I, it doesn't feel like, oh, we're capable of doing that because I ha- we have games like this. Does that make, am I making any sense? No, no, you are making sense because it seems like we're seeing sides like Liverpool and Man City blow out teams week in and week out. And we don't seem to do that, but somehow we have a crazier goal differential by multiple goals. Uh, and it's, again, it, I, I say that, and, and only Liverpool has scored more goals than we have. Liverpool yeah. has 31 league goals, and we have 27. The next, the next highest um, is actually West Ham with 23. You know, if we had, if we had some sort of finishing this season, we would be talking about how good our defense is and how good our attack is. Imagine that. Imagine a world where we could talk about both instead of just one. Um, for me here, I, I want to give props to Havertz for a sec, Andres, and you could kind of revel in this because uh, I know you've been <laughs> waiting for it. Reese James delivered that ball on a silver platter, but make no mistake, that is a tough technique to to nestle that into the corner. It, he still had a lot to do with it. If you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Um, just the angle the ball the, the, the ball was coming at, he had to nick it right off of the corner of his temple, basically, to get it into that corner, which was takes a lot of skill. My thing is, he should have had another one. Ross Barkley should have had one. Cho, oh. his first chance, yeah, I mean, he shot it straight at the keeper. The second one where he cut inside to his left, probably should have had another goal there. Christensen, that needs to go in. There's no excuse to miss that. I don't care if, who you are. Um, multiple opportunities to kill the game, and we just didn't do that. Now, it, it makes me think in a game like this where we have Lukaku standing in the middle, Andres, there's no doubt that it's it, it's probably 3 or 4-1. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you, meant, you mentioned Lukaku, and uh, that actually brings me to the next point. You, you All the chances you talked about were from open play. We also had 14 corners and nothing to show from it. Oh, Thiago Silva hit the post too. Was that off a corner, I think? Uh, yeah. Might have been our so, only chance. So then I'll go straight into this Twitter question from Russell Saunders at Mr. Grumpy Oz. Do you think, and you'll love this one, do you think that Kurt Zuma would have put ahead a chance in the net from one of our corners? Again, 14 of them. He goes, so many opportunities today. That was the sort of match we bought Lukaku for. Sadly, he was injured. Important three matches to finish the month after the break. Hopefully a fit squad. So uh, we, you mentioned the Lukaku thing too. The, the reason we went out and bought a striker that can score 20 plus a season is because we struggle so much against these teams that park the bus. But mm-hmm. going back to the question, I mean, 14 corners. I don't even have to give him 14 corners. I can try to pull up the West Ham stats from this weekend to tell you how many corners it took Zuma to score on Liverpool. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, Zuma probably puts that in. I think anyone else on the pitch puts the Christensen chance in. Um, I uh, I was frustrated at how many corners we had um, because we were actually creating some sort of chances from them. We just weren't taking them. My thing is, years ago, we would complain about our corner kicks because we would get 14 in a game and we wouldn't be able to beat the first man on nine of them. This time we're able to beat the first man and actually get the ball into the box and we're not feasting on those opportunities. You could criticize the big the big guys for doing that. I but at the same time, I mean they they've done their part 
three times over for the season already in terms of like their goal output. So yeah, it's frustrating, man. I, I don't know what the solution is really. I don't know if we have to come up with some set plays or some, you know, sort of tricky scenarios off of corner kicks where we can maybe get Reese James to play like an angled ball to the far post or what, like, you know, like that William type ball um, or, you know, creating a chance, a shooting chance outside the box. If, you know, RLC or Barkley is in the game, I don't know. It's a, it's a conundrum, our, our corner kicks for sure. I'm curious to see how Tuchel's going to, figure that one out because it does seem like since Zuma left, we've, we've kind of been lacking in that department. If it's not Kai or Tiago Silva, it doesn't seem like anyone's really going to score off a corner kick. Yeah. And, and just for the question's sake, it only took Zuma three corners, West Ham and Zuma three corners to score the winner against Liverpool this weekend. So again, some people try to make it a strength. I don't know if we just don't consider set pieces a priority but in a game with 14 set pieces, you expect, or 14 corners specifically, you expect at least one of those to be put in the back of the net. But again, it just seems to me, when it came to this game, it, it felt that, again, the shots were taking a lot. Some of them were out of frustration. Some of them were just, I mean, the Barkley miss was just awful. You're inside the box between the 18 and the 6. and He's got the time. He profiles it to his left foot. You can't miss the target as poorly as as Ross Barkley did there, where it's not that he missed it wide because he was trying to place it. He just completely shanked it to the top of the shed. I mean, you gotta I, put that one across the keeper on the ground, low and hard. Like it'll go in every time. I don't under I, I don't understand. There there is a little bit of selfishness in Ross Barkley's play, especially in this game. I think that should be noted. Um that that that's what I wanted to mention a little earlier. I'm curious to see what you have to think about that. Um elaborate for me. There were a couple times in this game specifically where he'd find himself outside of the box and he was looking for his shot too often instead of just trying to lay the ball off. Like he's looking He's almost looking to create things for himself too much at times. And, like, I know I, I said that he has his freedom playing the number 10. But there does seem times where he can be a little bit more, I don't know what word I'm looking for, I guess efficient with the ball. What was his passing ac- accuracy? About 82% for a team yeah. that's sit, sitting solely in the box. I don't know. I So I see what you're saying. When the When the shots he was taking were coming – I don't think there was any sort of surprise factor from Pope. There wasn't a surprise factor. Like when he takes five, six seconds to pull the trigger on a long shot, the keeper is going to have that. That to them is Christmas. He, even if that shot is to go up or 90, the keeper is going to be positioned well because you give him so much time. It's just so telegraphed. It feels like when he does decide to pull the trigger uh, from outside the box. And, and to be completely honest with you, I don't remember the last shot that Ross Barkley scored for Chelsea from outside the box. Everything to me for him seems to be inside the box, getting open in the back post sort of thing during that FA cup magical year he had. But the, the whole situation I had in this match is, is also when, when we realize we're having this issue of we're just shooting from outside the box or we're just shooting because the ball came to me we don't have that guy right now. And 
and I guess Pulisic just came back, and and I'll refer to him again. But Lukaku's not there, so he's your your kind of go-to. He's just a he's goal hungry. Doesn't need to look up. He'll know how to place the ball. He's not there. We know Kai's been struggling with shooting. Um, in terms of getting in behind, we don't have any, We didn't have anybody in this game that was willing to do that. Cho is a ball carrier. Barkley is a ball carrier. Kai is a ball carrier. Um, and then you also don't have the kind of guy that's willing to just get himself into the box. Ziyech, people can argue he's is good at dribbling, but Ziyech dribbles outside the box to set up the curling shot. You never see Ziyech try to dribble through one, two people and get himself inside the box to create a shot. People want to argue that that's Cho. I personally don't see him doing that as much as people say he does. I and... think that's the next step in Cho's game, though. Like you mentioned, nobody to get in behind. That's how Cho got his goal against Norwich. Well, and but, if that he took was it... built in, but that was built from, from a deep progression. Norwich yeah, wasn't yeah. hitting as but... deep as Burnley. I mean, they're packing it in. I didn't see Cho looking for that one-two. Mm. And, and again, I'd like to see him look for that, though. Right, right, and call it the American bias, but that's what I'm excited for. Not just Pulisic, mostly Pulisic, obviously. We want to see him succeed, and he was so good at that um, when he was healthy and actually playing week in and week out for Chelsea. But Werner tries to do it, but we know Pulisic can score. And and I almost dream of a, a front three where it's actually Pulisic on the left and Cho on the right because, sure, Cho on the right isn't as direct, but I think his playmaking is far more underrated uh, than people try to give him credit for. I mean, the Ziyech goal, um, was it against Malmo? Yeah. 1-0 against Malmo. That's the kind of ball that I, I feel like Cho can naturally put. Sure, he's right-footed to the death. He's not going to really score with his left foot very often. But Cho dribbles aiming towards the outside no matter what. So if he's going to dribble himself to the byline, he is good at crossing, and then he can put it in. I feel like Pulisic is the kind of player that dribbles with the purpose of getting to the goal. And, and that's the kind of thing I think we're missing in this kind of trifecta of a front three right now. Um, even if it's not Cho on the right, Mount can play that role where he's more of a, a facilitator. Then you have the true goal scorer in uh, Lukaku, and then the kind of dribbling magician that's like can be a direct threat in Pulisic. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's just missing in our game. You mentioned, like, oh, what would it look like if Loftus-Cheek played in the front three? That's another player that is more than willing to dribble into the box. Someone we saw that can... Malmo as well. Yeah, just someone that can force the issue. Like, fuck you, I'm going to get to the goal no matter what. Right. And I think right. it, 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 it's sort of the, the hazard factor that we're missing. Like, every time I get the ball, I'm going to spin you, and I'm going to run at you. Um. And I think I think there's only what maybe two guys at in our front three that have the capability to do that. Um, I think it's Pulisic and Mason Mount. I think Cho could, but again, I said it earlier. This is something I want to see him sort of integrate into his game. This is part of his growth as a player. We know he's a fantastic dribbler. We know he's great in tight spaces. Um, he he could serve up a great delivery. But now we talk about you know getting the goals. Well, how does he do that? You mentioned the quick one twos. That's one way to get them done. Another way to get them done is to actually pull the trigger. 
to his credit, he actually did that against Burnley. Um, should have had a had a goal with the second shot, I think. Maybe could have done better with the first two, but I, I think that's just the next adaptation of his game. And once he puts that into his game, Andres, I think our, our rotation in terms of the front three is dead set. We'll have Werner, Lukaku, and Mount, um, Havertz, Pulisic, and Cho. And I think Ziyech will be out of the equation. I think at that point, Barkley will be out of the equation. Um, and then, you know, we'll just see Loftus-Cheek used, you know, in, in that deeper role or, you know, sparingly at, at, up front if we need to. But yeah. to me, those are the only guys that really have that. I don't think Kai has that in his locker. I think Kai needs to face the goal in order to be productive. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he's a 10 by nature. I think, yeah. I think that's where, again... Kai succeeded so much as the central forward for us because Mount and Werner were make were willing to run past him. So then when he got the ball back, he was facing the goal. Like yeah. he was for sure um, releasing and then getting the ball back, facing the goal more than being a target man or even a false nine that's playing with his back to goal. And, and in this game, again, Cho wasn't doing it enough and you're not going to get that from Barkley. Uh so again, yes, it was a rotational side, but that's not at the end of the day people can say, "Oh, well Burnley played trash." No, Burnley did their Burnley succeeded at what they were trying to do. Burnley got a goal away. I've always been a banana peel at the bridge too. I mean, Sean Dyche knew what his strategy was. The moment they got the goal, they started just falling on the ground and quote unquote cramping and then the fouls started piling on. They got their point, and they're in a relegation battle. They're going to do this to everyone. At the end of the day, if you take 20-plus shots, one goal is unacceptable. And perfect timing for the international break. We're still top of the league by three points because thank you, um, everyone else in the league, for uh, stepping up this weekend, Uh, specifically West Ham, which Mm -hmm. is now – the third place team and Ron, AKA bone daddy, cool, AKA bone daddy, deluxe, AKA bone daddy, Supreme asked us, should we be taking West Ham more seriously now? Interesting. I don't think so. Um, in terms of the long haul, I think you need to ask this question, uh, after the holidays, um, when the fixture pileup really starts to get teams and players start to wind up in the treatment rooms and West Ham squad depth will be exposed a little bit in that respect. I think they've enjoyed a lot of their success because Suchek and Declan Rice have been available for the most part of the season. Um, they've gotten a tune out of Jaron Bowen this year. Obviously, Mikhail Antonio is he's a com- just a completely different player now, actually. Um but, but they have done good work. I mean, obviously, they got Kurt Zuma in the back now. I think David Moyes has has beaten how many of the top six already? Um, they beat, they beat, they beat City earlier. Let me pull that up for you. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive they took points off City. I mean, they beat Liverpool. They beat – they drew – They actually, no. They knocked out City in the Carabao. There they beat Tottenham. And they beat United as well. I mean, they beat United in the Carabao, but they How did they score on United? Paul Scholes said they have the best defense in the Premier League. (laughs) Right. I mean, they've beaten, to their credit, they've beaten Leicester City. 
Good they team, lost yeah. in the league to United, but then they beat United the following week in the Carabao. Then yeah. they beat Tottenham. They eliminated City. And they've now beaten Liverpool. So you talk about, should we take them seriously? I think you kind of have to because when there's like hope is a strong thing like the, the whole saying like it's the hope that kills you in sports i feel like it's the complete opposite like the hope kills you if you give the other team hope and you're right these players are crazy and they're available but declan rice to use him as an example because he is the player that chelsea can't get away from when it comes to target uh transfer targets and all he leads the Premier League in blocks, interceptions, pass accuracy, possessions won, successful passes, and tackles won. Like, you have an absolute machine in the middle of the field right now. You add Suchek, who is also, like, a stout, willing to defend no-bullshit midfielder who adds goals from set pieces. Antonio, I agree, Antonio's going to cool off. The, the form he's on, he's never really been that kind of striker. I think that'll slow down. But the the way West Ham play, I also just don't see many teams coming against West Ham and, and scoring three goals. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool score for fun, so them getting two already felt like a lot. Uh, so for me, I, I think you need, to, you need to take West Ham seriously for a top four challenge. I'm not yeah. going to say that. They're going to be um, contenders for the title. Well, if we want any hope at Declan Rice, we should be saying that we don't think they're going to be making the top four, Andres. No way. That's the only way they sell them. I mean, if they make, yeah, they don't, <laughs> if they make top four, he stays. I thought you were saying that they, they wouldn't be making top four because the crazy thing is, and and forgive me for giving them credit, but Arsenal is now in the top five race. They lost their first three matches, and suddenly they can't lose. Arteta. It's freaking obnoxious. I don't know. I know they've had a very, a very, very friendly schedule, but they still took advantage of it. And again, you have teams that'll do that, and then you have teams like United who are just slowly falling into mediocrity. So. <sighs> an unfortunate situation when Arsenal creeps up into the top six. It's fun make I I just like making fun of them. But I'm I mean, sure they'll give me Don't get but, me wrong. Dude, look, they're going to give us plenty uh more reasons to make fun of them before the season's over, so not too fussed. Um, yeah, well we'll go to the next question cuz we talked about our lack of finishing and this one's from at Leonard R Cohen, so I'll do my best leonard voice dear pod marvel's clint barton aka hawkeye is a master archer i was about to do an accent a master archer and marksman we'll get to see clint in the new disney plus post blip miniseries hawkeye soon clint never misses with that in mind which chelsea player does the pod think will end the 2021 2022 premier league season with the most goals assists and the highest passing accuracy. Passing accuracy, Jorginho. Agreed. Or actually, no. Could be Rudiger. Um, 
Most goals, Lukaku. I think he's going to come back and, and start banging in goals if he could stay healthy, of course. Okay. Uh, assists, I'm I'm going to go with Reese James. I think he has a, a decent head start. I think he's tied for, for most assists. Um, so, yeah, those are my picks. Well, I uh, can't really disagree with you there. Uh, the league leader in assists right now in the league is uh, – for for Chelsea is Kovacic with five. Reese um, actually is only at three right now. I I miss miscounted. He's at three, not four. So he has seven goal contributions as a wing back, which is still ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I also think that Reese will end up getting it because if he's going to be playing peaches like that, forget forget it. Lukaku will feast on those as time goes on. So I agree there. I think the the Jorginho one's pretty self-explanatory as well with the passing accuracy. Uh, I think Rudiger still has that bit of a wild card with trying some crazy stuff. So so I'll give Jorginho the edge. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just talking. It could be somebody in our back three just off of the amount of touches that we get. Like Thiago Silva could possibly have a really high pack of passing accuracy too. But then again, he plays a lot of clipped balls over the top. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, Jorginho's just, we, we've talked about it before. He's recycling possession, moving the ball, getting it from place to place quickly, trying to get the ball in motion. Yeah. Transitioning the ball quickly enough to where we can then kind of find the jugular in a defense. So uh, I'll stick with him. Now here's a question. This one's from our friend, old friend of the pod, Chelsea Eric. And he's, he's asking this because of his, this low knees, extremely great form how do you integrate gallagher into this side zach you can put that boy anywhere i i, I think you use connor gallagher in a similar way to you, that we use mason mount he's an attack-minded player that is he's very crafty in and around the box he could find a final pass we've seen the finishing product he drew two penalties this year which is something nobody talks about so if you're looking at his goal contributions, I think he's at what, like seven on the season or eight. Um, the kid is just fantastic. And Tuchel spoke about it too and said that, you know, he, he's really impressed him. And, and, you know, it seems like every week he could talk about him. So I think you might integrate him in a way that we did Mason Mount, where you use his energy and his engine, uh, for lack of a better word, to our advantage. You know, he's great at pressing. Positionally, he looks to be the part. Um, and again, he has that end product. So, you know, if, if we could win the ball in the final third, you know, he he has that threat to to put it away. So I like that. I also think that he might be able to slot deeper into the midfield. Even if we play a 5-3-2, he could be one of those three also. So the kid yeah. seems so versatile. And I think at this point, it, it's pretty obvious that he he's going to be the next academy player to sort of make that transition to Chelsea um given that we bring him back yeah i mean he's gonna come back he's got six goal contributions already i just looked it up for you four goals two assists for palace and and there's a reason why he's alongside maybe wilfred zaha the top names in that team sheet week in and week out i i know it's crazy because we didn't even talk about this before but i was going to say that he might be and i don't know if this is to discredit to him uh that or not because it's so early, but I do feel like he's almost like a clown, uh, a clown, a Mount clone. <laughs> and I'm, I put those two together, a Mount clone in the fact that 
he plays in a 4-3-3 right now in a in a very box-to-box role, but he is so natural moving forward that yeah, he could be in our front three, he can be in the in the double six. If Chelsea for some reason finally switches to a back four at some point, he'll be in that midfield three in a three-five-two. He might actually make me want to see the three-five-two. Uh the kid is just ever since we first loaned him out after he had won, I believe, our Academy Player of the Year. His stock just keeps rising, and he just seems hungry. And he's physical. He's not afraid of a challenge. He, I mean, I, I don't want to give him too much credit, but he might have saved Vieira's job from mm-hmm. an awful start at Palace. I, I think they're they're still drawing a lot of matches, but Palace is playing very attractive football. He's the uh, constant in that side. I mean, week in and week yeah. out, his name's somewhere in the headlines in terms of creating a goal or scoring a goal or drawing a penalty. The performances are ridiculous. I mean, we we, we have a special player, dude. I, I'm excited to see him come back. And again, this is terrible news for guys like Saul <laughs> if they plan on staying at Chelsea so, long term. So here's, here's the thing. like, I, I don't think this was asked to us, but... I saw somewhere like would should would or should Chelsea call back the likes of Gallagher and Gilmore come January. And somebody also asked me on the side, should Chelsea call back Broja in January? And and to that mm. I say in the Gallagher and Broja situation, leave those guys where they are right now. These guys are getting precious Premier League minutes and they are running wild with them. Now a week ago, I might have said, yeah, bring Billy Gilmore back because Daniel Farka was still the manager at Norwich and he wasn't choosing Gilmore. Now, the Norwich job is up in the air. Let's see who comes in and who bring he's Lampard, choosing in midfield. If maybe. Lampard comes in to Norwich, of course he's going to be playing Billy Gilmore. And of course you leave Billy there until the end of the season. Um, I just wondered if you disagreed with my kind of thoughts on, on Brogia and Gallagher, for example. No. No, I, I don't disagree at all. It's it's sort of like um, they're in a situation where they should stay exactly where they're at until that progression stops or slows down drastically. Because right now they're just exploding. The more time and experience and confidence they're getting, the higher their ceilings are getting as a player and, and, the, and the, the quicker they're getting better or quicker they're developing, rather. So, yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think we keep both of them there. I'm talking in terms of next season, because I was reading something about Saul um, and, you know, this January window being pivotal for him. Um, I know this international break is going to be crucial in terms of him getting integrated with, you know, whatever tactics or, or you know, tweaks Tuchel wants to make to his game to integrate him into the squad. But... I was reading about him, you know, being dead set on remaining at Chelsea through the window. So I don't plan on those guys coming back. I don't think there's a reason for them to, even if they do, what are they going to get? One game out of every four or five? It just doesn't make sense. And and again, you would need Chelsea to also be in every competition still for them to get those minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read the Saul thing as well. There had been rumors that with, you know, with Loftus-Cheek's recent rise and, and, and jump up the pecking order, does that mean Saul gets shipped back to Atletico? And and there's some financial stuff that prevents that. Atletico can't really afford Saul at this point uh, on a salary. 
And then, you know, the fact, like you mentioned, Tuchel pushed so hard for Saul to come in and even pushed for Chelsea to sign him that he wants Saul to succeed at Chelsea and believes he really can. Now, I still don't think that that's a long-term thing. I, again, we, we said that this Saul deal was going to be very much like the Kovacic one. He needs to come in here and make himself indispensable from day one. And unfortunately, he hasn't done that. I don't know at this point if he can you turn this and suddenly be the most important midfielder in this team. But again, Kovacic is out right now with injury. We've seen him Tuchel limit Conte's time. Uh, Which I love. Work his way in? Sure, but not as a mainstay. So I think, you know, back to Chelsea Eric's question, Gallagher will have a spot, in my mind, in this Chelsea squad next season. Yeah. I think that's what we all want to see, honestly. Now, Zach, I mean, we're going into an international break once again. As American fans, we're hoping that Ballistics Minutes are not too crazy in terms of the Mexico match and his health. God. I don't know how I feel about this, man. We need this win, but at the same time... He's going to get hurt if he plays. For for our UK listeners, if you're unfamiliar with CONCACAF, yes, the quality of football may not be top tier, but <laughs> the physicality equates to rugby. Premier League in the 90s. Let's just put it that way. Just watch one game and, uh, and you'll be convinced. Um, I think he got hurt against Mexico the first time too, didn't he? Uh, the first game he got hurt, I think it or was no. Can- it wasn't Mexico, yeah. It was Canada. Canada or Costa Rica? I can't. I, no, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. He came out of the Costa Rica match, right? Yeah. One of those. Anyways, okay. it is a, it is a concern. So hopefully he doesn't play too much. Yeah. But, anyways, I mean that kind of brings us to the end of the show this week. Apologies for Sam not being here. He's off doing lawyer stuff. I know. Um, sucks to be a lawyer. Full-time jobs. Full-time jobs. Good money. Who hates that? Or who loves that, rather? Anyways, um, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you're doing that already, at Roman's Empire Pod. We've also gotten some emails in, which has been great. We love interacting with uh, our listeners via email as well, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. And until after the international break, the dreaded international break, keep the blue flag flying high.